Thank you for joining our Black and Brown Financial Growth Podcast with myself, Starsky, and my partner, uh, Mod. Uh, we're going to continue to bring you educational, digestible information um, that's targeted to pretty much dismantling the gap between brown and black um, people of America and uh, how we are subject to racial divide, um, not able to access the same um, type of uh, wealth and knowledge uh, when it comes to building uh, generational wealth. Uh, Once again, uh, thank you for joining. And as always, please check out our previous podcast. Uh, feel free to leave a donation um, that helps us continue to grow. Uh, and as always, uh, stay healthy and well. Visit us on our private Facebook group titled Black and Brown Financial Growth. Uh, once again, feel free to check us out and always share our podcast. Thank you. begin welcome to our six our number six webinar everyone um we are just getting started i know a lot of you are just jumping in right now uh, we're allowing you to join into our zoom as well if you're live on our group uh, checking us out um, you can chat chat in there so this is how we usually host our events uh within our web- live webinars uh you can either log into our zoom and leave a comment or question or thought below. If you're in a Facebook page, you can also do the same thing. I'm going to be reading the questions and comments as we go along, um, but this is how we typically do our webinars. Uh, Just want to kind of give a rebuttal. Uh, The Black and Brown Facebook Generational Wealth Group was created to help us as a community build and start thinking how we can build long-term generational wealth for not only for ourselves, but for our kids, 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 as well as how we can help and build our communities. Uh, With that said, I met these three boss ladies who are attorneys um, who are here to give you some knowledge, knowledge that you can use for yourself, knowledge that you can share with your family and your households, knowledge that you can share with your community and neighborhood. Um, So let me just quickly which I should have had set up. Of course, we're live and this is how we usually do things. Uh, I usually lead in with like the topic of this webinar. Uh, and since we're live, I'm just gonna allow you, Tracy Porter, just to read off the topic and then you ladies have it from here while I'm going to sit back and learn myself. Okay. Thank you so much, Startsky. Um, our topic today is talking about protecting your legacy managing your business and your relationships. I am going to be talking primarily about how to set up your business as an entrepreneur, ownership, management, succession planning, and related topics. Claudia and Brianna from the office of Chubak and Carr are also going to chime in on the entrepreneurship topic, but more so from a family law perspective. Prenups, postnups, divorce, maybe even death, those things that impact your business as an entrepreneur. So to get us started, uh, Claudia is going to introduce herself. Thank you, Tracy. Um, And before I introduce myself, I would just also like to thank Starsky uh, and Ahmad for uh, putting together this Facebook Live presentation. Um, We're really happy that these conversations are being had in our black and brown communities and we are just thankful to all the members of the Black and Brown Financial Growth Group uh, for tuning in today, whether it's now or later. Um, We just appreciate you all having us and uh, taking the time to tune in and listen. So my name is Claudia Carr and I'm a practicing attorney here in Southern California. Um, I began my legal career practicing family law exclusively. Uh, Now I do uh, practice probate as well as estate planning um, and estate administration. 
Um, I'm also an entrepreneur and recently co-founded uh, the law office of Chubak and Carr along with my partner, Brianna, who's also speaking here today. Um, and our practice is focused primarily on family law, probate, and estate planning as well. Um, I'm married. My husband is also an entrepreneur himself. He's a, a personal trainer and a licensed sports agent and soon-to-be firefighter. Uh, we have a two-year-old son as well, and we are, you know, just really focused on creating a legacy that we can leave behind for him and, you know, raise him around these kind of conversations so he'll be financially literate. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy to be a part of this conversation today and I'll go ahead and turn it over to uh, my partner, Brianna. Good afternoon. My name is Brianna Chubach. I am the other half co-founding partner of the law office of Chubach and Carr. I am also licensed to practice in California and I have been practicing in Southern California for nearly three years and prior to establishing uh, the law office of Chubak and Carr, I practiced in dependency, representing parents reunifying with their children who were removed from their care. And I now practice in family law and estate planning and probate. I am married to my wonderful husband. I have a beautiful 13-year-old stepdaughter, a pit bull, and I'm very active in the community uh, through service and working with the youth with my sorority, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. I'm very excited to be here today. And thank you, Starsky, thank you, Ahmad, for having us today. And hi, I'm Tracy Porter. I am a lawyer, educator, and a philanthropist. I have my own firm based in Chicago, Tracy R. Porter PC, which stands for Professional Corporation. I'm licensed to practice law in Illinois and New York, but I have taught law in California. My areas of practice focus on business setups, entrepreneurship. I'm also involved in real estate transactions, legacy planning, which I like to call it instead of estate planning. And I also have clients in the entertainment and fashion law industry. Um, I've been a law professor since 2008, teaching in the areas that I've practiced. I've also been a presenter, author, and lecturer, both nationally and internationally. I am the co-founder and chairwoman of the Alexander Family Foundation, which is my philanthropic arm. It focuses on supporting community organizations in education, health, and the environment. The mission of my foundation seeks to impact lives and change communities. So this topic is apropos because we're talking about legacy. But I want to share with you my newest business venture. I am founder and principal visionary of Beyond Wealth, Inc. It is a professional and personal growth uh, group of like-minded individuals who share my passion to empower Black and Brown visionaries to build their legacy. So being here today is complimentary to everything that Starsky is doing. I'd like to address some housekeeping manners. As lawyers, we do have to give disclaimers. None of what we provide to you creates an attorney-client relationship. Every situation is different. We are only allowed to practice in the jurisdictions of which we are licensed. That is Brianna and Claudia in California, and I in Illinois and New York. So any questions that you give to us uh, that are general in nature, we may be able to give you a general answer, but otherwise, please feel free to reach out to us afterwards if you have a question or a situation that requires legal counsel. Thank you. Thank you. So what we wanna to do today is have a conversation, just a dialogue. And so we are going to present scenarios and discuss how those scenarios can be resolved and what options are available in those scenarios. So scenario A involves a single entrepreneur engaged to her boyfriend of five years with one child in common. And scenario B involves a married entrepreneur, married for 11 years with a blended family. The entrepreneur spouse has one stepchild and the spouses have one child in common. And so we will begin with scenario A. So let's start off with scenario A, which is not uncommon. And in fact, I have a current client situation 
I'm very pragmatic. And so I like to give you scenarios that either I have dealt with or currently I'm dealing with or who have colleagues or friends who have dealt with this. So this is actually something that comes up. All of our scenario involve entrepreneur women. We did that on purpose because we are entrepreneurs as well. And it just seems that that's something you need to keep in mind. Um, as Darcy was talking about trying to find, you know, boss women in different fields to do that. We are out here. So let's start with this scenario. This is a single woman entrepreneur and she has a successful tech business that she has incorporated. She sells goods as well as service, her services. And she incorporated over seven years ago, which precedes her having her boyfriend. Uh, they did have one child together. Let's say that the child is a minor, who hopefully will grow up and partake in the business, but we don't know that yet. And her boyfriend does have a career. Um, we said that he was in the coaching business, uh, either junior college or college coach career. So he does have a livelihood himself. So it's not like he would be depending upon his girlfriend at this point uh, to support him. So let's talk about goods versus services. When you're getting ready to start your business, you have to think about what product are you going to provide? Because in my opinion, and it's probably quoted somewhere by someone, Starting a business is very personal. It's like having a child. Uh, you want that child to be healthy. You want that child to grow. You want that child to succeed you in your legacy. So you have to think about what it is that you are developing that is going to carry on even after you are gone. And then you need to create a business entity, corporation. A corporation for this scenario, and we'll talk about LLCs for the next scenarios, is that child. It's the baby that's created. It is a legal entity that is created state by state. It provides a liability shield protection, which means that if something happens to the corporation, it happens to the corporation and not to you individually. One thing I always tell people when they start a solo uh, proprietorship, which I'm sure you've heard of, is that's great, you're, you're already doing something to start your business, but you might be exposing yourself. You might be exposing a lien against your house or somebody attaching your bank account or your retirement account. Starting a solo practice without thinking about the product or the service you're providing might not be the best of ideas. So you wanna think of a liability shielded entity, that's my word, um, that is something that will protect you, but something that you can still operate out of. In addition, if you're creating a product, you might want to get a patent. If you create a logo, you might want to get a copyright or a service mark or a trademark. Um, or if you're writing something, maybe your product is books. You want to get copyright on all those. Those intellectual property items become assets. And they are assets that can be passed in, right? Because you'll republish books. You'll reproduce products. And those are things that you want to make sure that the business owns as I begin to talk about succession planning. Who's going to own your business? Is it just you? Is it in our scenario, our entrepreneur woman? Or is her boyfriend somehow involved? If he is involved, what is that interest? They're not married now, but at some point they might be. You have to think about it. Real life scenario is the client that I have who is the boss entrepreneur and doing well if it becomes a little tricky, and Brianna's gonna talk about these prenups, but it still becomes a little tricky when you are the one who brought the idea in, you're developing it, you're setting up the business, you put your sweat and equity, your money into it, and then you build it up. What aspect are you willing to share with other people? Who's managing the business? Who's gonna manage the business if something happens to you? There might be family members, there might be friends, I have two set of families, family that I say is family by blood, and then my family by love. Those are the ones that I choose. And sometimes running my business doesn't always involve my family by love. It might be other people that you engage. Nonetheless, in order to be successful, in order to perpetuate the legacy we've been talking about, you're gonna have to think about who you're gonna leave in leadership when you're gone, but more importantly, Importantly, what are you going to leave them to pass on? 
products, um, services. You've got to train someone if it's services. You'll see that a little bit more in scenario two. And then lastly, you want to make sure you have a team, your accountants, your tax persons, business management firm. I've even hired a business support team for my new project, marketing and public relations. My clients often do that as well, depending on the nature of their businesses, restaurant, entertainment law. Um, your legal counsel is really important because you're gonna have contracts for all kinds of things. And then lastly, and people don't think about this, but Ahmad, you hit on it in terms of financial growth. How do you grow the finances? Get a financial advisor. And most people say, well, I don't have any money yet. Well, you will. So why don't you start out now with that plan and think about how to make it grow. But the scenario continues because again, our woman entrepreneur has a significant other and after five years, they may want to get married. So Brianna, what can you share with us about what my client, I'll take on the woman entrepreneur client, might be uh, interested in protecting? What can you do to help her? So what I the entrepreneur client can do, I'll discuss two options. Uh, she can seek a, a premarital agreement and she can or she can seek a marital agreement. A premarital agreement is an agreement made between prospective spouses in contemplation of marriage and the agreement becomes effective upon the marriage. This is a good option for uh, one or both prospective spouses if one or the other or both have a significant amount of assets and income. Uh, a marital agreement is made between spouses during the marriage. So in particular, California is a community property state. There are a few community property states, not all, but what that means is that any income or asset acquired during the marriage, it belongs to both spouses. Separate property is any income and assets acquired prior to the marriage. And so if entrepreneur client is seeking a premarital agreement, she has to have the, the agreement must be in writing, signed by both parties. Both parties have to have the capacity to enter into a contract because that's what the agreement is, it's a contract. And having the capacity means being of sound mind and at least 18 years old. The agreement must be voluntarily entered into, which we will discuss uh, later on. And it must set forth the agreements, the, term, the terms in the agreement. So in particular to California, the agreement will have terms in regards to the income and the assets. It will not, be found valid or the portions that include waiving or set terms as to child custody, visitation, and child support most likely will not hold up in court. A court will not, in California, a court will not be bound by those terms. And so in entrepreneur client situation with their one child in common, they cannot include any terms involving child support, visitation, and custody. Another uh, reason a, an agreement may not be held up is if it's against public policy, if it encourages divorce. For example, if there's a term in the agreement that says spouse B will receive this property upon divorce, that portion of the agreement is highly likely to be invalid because it might encourage that spouse to get a divorce so that they can acquire that property. The final version of the agreement must be provided to the reviewing party at least seven days before the signing so that the reviewing party can have time to get uh, independent counsel, review it, understand it. And if they choose not to get counsel, then they have to sign a waiver uh, that waiving their right to counsel and that they've been informed that they could seek independent counsel. And so it's not required that both parties have an attorney, but it's encouraged that they have independent counsel that they found 
and paid for. And so a question is, can a, a premarital agreement be revoked or amended? Yes, a premarital agreement can be revoked or amended if in writing and signed by both parties. And so we have a really great example with the Dr. Dre divorce. He is in a highly publicized divorce from his wife, Nicole. They got married in 1996, a couple of months after he found Aftermath Records, which he did share, he did sell portions of his shares uh, during the marriage. He also came up with Beats, sold Beats to Apple during the marriage. They did sign a premarital agreement prior to the marriage. However, his wife, Nicole, is claiming two reasons that the premarital agreement is not valid. One, that he revoked it. She claims he revoked it by tearing it up. But we know that that most likely will not be held up in court because in order to revoke a premarital agreement, it must be in writing and signed by both parties. Her other defense is that she signed it under duress, which challenges the requirement that a premarital agreement be voluntarily entered into. So she says she didn't voluntarily enter into the agreement. She was under duress. Yes, she had counsel, but counsel was provided by Dr. Dre and was paid for by Dr. Dre. So she might have a valid claim there. The uh, other option that uh, entrepreneur client can seek is a marital agreement. Uh, that is when the spouses are already married and they enter an agreement. With that, they can transmute, which means characterize certain property into what they want it to be. So they can characterize community property to separate property of either spouse. They can characterize separate property to community property. They can characterize separate property of one spouse to separate property of the other spouse. An example is one spouse enters into the marriage with a property. During the marriage, the other spouse contributes through loan payments or uh, improvements to the house. And uh, that would give the other spouse a community interest. But with a marital agreement, that could keep the separate property of spouse A separate property regardless of the loan improvement, loan payments or loan improvements or house improvements. And so those are the two options that client, entrepreneur client can see, premarital agreement and marital agreement. And Claudia is going to discuss other options other than those agreements. I do have one question. So I'm going to bring this down to that to the, the average person who might have, they're not a Dr. Dre, they don't have billions of dollars, but they do have some assets. They might have a business, they might have, you know, stocks and everything else. Um, should a person always consider a premarital agreement? Um, I hear people say, well, if you love me, why would you want to even think about that? Um, so those are, um, Claudia is going to get into some other options. They don't have to seek a premarital agreement, but something to note is that premarital agreements can cause a relationship to deteriorate. Uh, so that's something that really the person who may want a premarital agreement has to think about if that's something, the road that they want to go down. However, it can also clarify any misunderstandings down the road. If they have a discussion, which I would encourage having a discussion about a premarital agreement at least six months before marriage. And so that the terms, everything is clear prior to entering into the marriage. And Claudia is going to give some more options if a spouse or a person doesn't want to enter into an agreement. And from a business perspective, you need to keep in mind too, uh, who these individuals might be. If it's a young couple, first marriage, they're marrying for love, they're gonna grow together, build assets together, it might not be necessary. But if it's my wealthy entrepreneur woman client who has built her business and they're getting married, you know, their interest in getting married, yes, they may wanna protect it. Or it could even be a situation where both parties have assets 
and maybe separate children or other interests that they want to protect beyond the marriage. So it depends on the scenario and it depends on the individual. And Brianna's right. I mean, it could deteriorate the relationship, but it depends on the individual mindsets uh, about what their assets are and how to protect it. Because there are two, uh, two types of property ownership in a marriage. One is the community property ownership uh, perspective. The other is what's called equitable distribution. Illinois and New York are equitable distributions. Community property is 50-50 undivided interest. So um, they own it 50-50 exclusively. You can't get rid of it without the other person, you know, chiming in. So you can't just go sell off, you know, assets without the other person chiming in. And so it's just gonna depend, but I would just say have a conversation. And I call asset stuff. I always have, I even call that when I teach. What do you have to protect? Um, if you have something to protect that you want to pass down as a legacy, and I'll give you an example of a family uh, couple I had. Uh, it was somebody pretty close to me, and they pretty much said, my wife sucks with finances. Hmm. So then you might want to set up something so that she has something, but also their kids have something. Because if you leave everything to her, it might all be gone. Right, right. And I would just add that, you know, a prenup is not for everyone, whether it be that, you know, that person feels like, you know, oh, well, you must think we're going to get divorced or preparing for divorce. Um, so that might not be the choice. And so I would also just suggest maybe considering looking into some type of estate planning um just so that you can still show your potential spouse or spouse that you do want them to be cared for while also you guys collectively agreeing on how your assets will be divided amongst not only your spouse but your children or other loved ones so you know a trust you can name your beneficiaries a will you can give specific gifts um life insurance you know can also reassure your potential spouse that you want them to be uh, cared for because it is a, pe a personal choice you know it's not for everyone uh, maybe for religious reasons it, it just wouldn't work out for the relationship so yeah I would definitely encourage to have that conversation for one and then also to talk to your professionals like your financial planners or you know attorneys to figure out what's the best for your situation because as Tracy said everybody's situation is different um, so you want to do what makes sense uh, for you and your family. And if uh, a person chooses to go the estate planning route rather than a premarital agreement, they should uh, review and update their estate planning documents, their trust, their will every two to three years because things change. Sometimes beneficiaries pass prior to um, the uh, client passing or relationships change. And so it's important to keep up to date with those documents as well. And so with scenario A, in regards to um, what entrepreneurs do is have a discussion with the prospective spouse at least six months before the marriage. Um, and should, if they choose, or with uh, attorneys involved, both should have independent counsel that they have found, that they have uh, paid, uh, retained, and uh, be sure that it does not violate public policy. Uh, it does not encourage divorce. And if they don't choose, if they choose not to go the premarital agreement route or marital agreement route, then they can look into estate, estate planning options and protecting um, their assets. And let me also, no, no, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, we're having a conversation. So other thoughts came to mind. So you also have to be mindful too, that there is a difference in divorce and death and how they affect the legacy plan. Mm -hmm. So death has kind of planned it out. You, you at least thinking about who you're gonna leave it to, how it's gonna be left, whether it's the business ownership interest in the business, shares in the corporation or the LLC membership interest, you, you're passing those things down. But divorce can be much more volatile. I mean, there are some amicable divorce situations, right? We think of Russell Simmons, 
and you know maybe even Dwayne Johnson and, and their uh, separation, they were still able to do business with their their spouses. Um, so you have to be mindful though, and it's very it's it's a very fine line sometimes between you know the prenup for a marriage uh, being maybe more important because if you get a very antagonistic you know almost ex spouse they may deplete you and then your whole idea of leaving a legacy and succession plan is just on out one at least your part of it right because then they have all your money right um which will bring us to our next scenario where we have a married couple um scenario b the married entrepreneur brianna do you want to go ahead and yeah i'll introduce this section uh, married entrepreneur has been married for 11 years uh, started a fashion consulting business as a fashion stylist to celebrities and sports players during the marriage husband has one child from prior marriage and they have one child in common and husband has his own dental practice so i want to touch upon the entrepreneurship aspect of this scenario and this is the scenario where we'll talk about limit liability companies. It is limit liability company in all jurisdictions, not corporation. Make sure you use the proper lingo. And in this particular scenario, we're actually talking about a service business. Think about it. This is a person who actually has one-on-one -on -one or maybe very interactive client dynamics about things important to them, fashion, styling, who these people are. I mean, I have clients who are on TV and radio, and it's just important about their image and how they look and how they present their brand. And when you think of this entrepreneur, she has a unique skill set because she does for them what others probably cannot. And I want you to think about that as an asset of the business. You know, what happens if she can't do that job? Is her husband, who has a dental practice, going to be able to do that? Probably not. So as a member in a limit liability company, ownership in an LLC is owned by members, you want to make sure that when you set up the entity and it has the same formalities of uh, being registered with the state, uh, making sure that you have the liability protection, it can own the intellectual property rights and all those things. But you want to be more concerned with the succession plan in terms of ownership and management. So what does this entrepreneur do? She has one child by marriage, um, her child by blood with her husband, and then one by love, her stepchild, from the husband's prior marriage. Does she engage them in the business? Because again, we're talking about legacy. Who's going to carry on this? Who does she groom to do what she does? Because if something were to happen to her, those clients don't go away. They need somebody else to service them. Um, I've seen that um, in situations recently, mega churches, as you know, and there are a couple of them out there whose sons have taken over, right? Multi-million dollars. I don't know if they're billion yet. Multi-billion dollar corporations. Um, I know we don't like to talk about it, but um, the White House, Jared Kushner, it's not his kid, but he had a lot of say in running things. People start to groom individuals to take over for them. So that's one thing you want to think about. The other thing you want to think about is um, the skill sets that you have and what role will your spouse play and perpetuating those skill sets, right? And when we talk about prenups and divorce, if the spouse takes away time for his dental practice to help you promote your business, then that may, in some equitable distribution jurisdictions, weigh in on whatever spousal support or assets he may get that belong to the, to the woman entrepreneur, to our client entrepreneur, as we call it. So you wanna think about the level of engagement. The LLC is something that's very flexible too from an ownership perspective. That is, you can use the LLC to also create your estate plan. Your revocable trust, we won't talk about irrevocable trust, but your living trust or revocable trust um, can be an owner of the LLC. So we talked about setting up trust a few minutes ago. 
then there's no question as to what the succession plan is because the trust becomes an owner and the successor to the business. And so as a successor, you need to have a trustee over your trust, someone who you trust to carry on your legacy. Trusts are very detailed documents. Um, I'd include them in my legacy planning and people really can handcraft, almost reach from the grave, how they want things to happen and what they want done. So as you're setting up your business from that perspective, make sure that you have a good legacy plan in mind, that you're training up your leadership. One quote from Magic Johnson, I was on a webinar, UPS, and I'm not promoting any business, but he was on a UPS webinar and I just wanted to listen, right? So I'm listening to Magic Johnson, but he said something profound and I, I buy into it. He said, helping others become successful um, is a good thing because my success in business oftentimes is based on helping others build their business and their success. So we have to be willing to share our knowledge, you know, the way we communicate with people so that they carry on. And I, you know, say loosely, and now I'm getting subjective in my comments, sometimes in our black and brown communities, we don't do that. We don't sit down and talk about what it takes or mistakes not to make, or even say, hey, you take this over for a while. We always wanna be in control. We always wanna keep our fists closed, thinking somebody's gonna get up on us. And we shouldn't do that. Instead of being competitors, we should be allies in the business environment because it'll take both of us a, a longer way. So I know that Claudia is gonna jump in and talk about uh, protecting this uh, business, business legacy and the assets by uh, talking about divorce in this context. Right, thank you, Tracy. Um, I do just wanna give everyone an overview pretty much of what, what, what commonly occurs in divorces when um, you know the married couple does have a business that's part of their assets that you know are gonna need to be divided by the court um so the per for the purposes of this situation um we're gonna assume that our fashion consultant spouse and her husband that's a dentist they don't have an agreement on how they want to divide up their uh businesses so um, in California, as we've said, it's a community property state and typically, you know, the law says that everything must be divided equally amongst the parties, which isn't really possible to just divide up everything in half. And so while that's the, I'll say, you know, the ground level that we're going to start out, um, the court courts here in California are also going to seek to be equitable. So if we're awarding something to one spouse, then we're going to what we call equalize it to the other spouse. And basically, you know, one spouse will need to pay out to the other spouse for their interest in the asset that the other spouse is keeping. Um, as we've been talking about planning and agreeing on these things ahead of time can just streamline this whole process. If you know, you and your spouse have already filed for divorce during the pendency of that divorce. Um, you can come to an agreement and in fact, courts prefer that you come to an agreement. Um, you know, in family law, it's really a case by case scenario and you and your spouse are in the best position to decide what's best for your family and how it's going to work instead of a judge, you know, who you're just now meeting to make these decisions for you. Um, but and like I said, we're gonna assume that's not the case here. So um, let's say that we don't have an agreement with our fashion consultant spouse and her dentist husband, and you know they're moving forward with litigation and they're gonna have the court decide. So first the court's gonna wanna know, is, is there a business first of all, and does it have any value? Because if it doesn't have any value, the court's really gonna you know, stop right there. But, um, you know, here we've got a fashion stylist who has clientele um, and is doing pretty well. So we can assess that value a number of ways. Uh, you know, we start with tax returns, looking at Schedule C's, things like that. Um, so in this scenario, once that's been established, uh, the court can do pretty much one of three things. And most commonly, they'll 
likely award the business to one party. And the scenario we've got here, that's probably gonna be the situation. So the court's gonna look at, okay, who's got the knowledge and the skill to continue on with this business? And so we've got a fashion consultant. Um, it, you know, she probably could train her husband to get up on fashion <laughs> and maybe continue her business, but that's not really likely. So that's gonna be a consideration for the court in awarding her you know, the ownership interest in the business. Um, and in California specifically, when it comes to her husband, who's a dentist, um, professional practices are awarded to the spouse who's the licensed professional. So this will also work vice versa in our situation where um, our fashion consultant, you know, hasn't completed the degree to become a dentist. So that just wouldn't make sense. So they'll value the businesses, they'll award the business to each respective spouse, which honestly would be easier for them to just agree on, agree on a value, and then they can, you know, divide it that way. Um, so with our situation, I'd say that's what would happen most likely. Um, I think Tracy did bring up the role of a spouse. So let's just say the dentist husband did kind of contribute some time and effort that caused her her business to grow, you know, the court's going to take a look at that and figure out how can we value what husband spouse put in and then they'll account for that, you know, and award him in that way with some type of equalization payment as well. Um, other things, other options the court will consider is maybe selling the business if the parties are just, you know, can't agree and going at it. Um, we'll see if we can sell the business, but, you know, that's not really the most common thing because the business may be valuable, but you know, it may not be marketable, um, may not be able to sell it. So that's another consideration. And the last thing would be a continued joint or co-ownership of the business. Um, so for spouses that have been working together on the business and can do so, you know, amicably continue because, you know, they're getting divorced and they don't get along or don't you know want to be with each other anymore but if it seems possible that they can continue on with the business then that's an option too um but it just really brings me to that point that you know it's it's best to talk about this and come to an agreement in the beginning rather than have a court decide because even even just coming to an agreement on the value is important because if if there's not an agreement there then for trial, we're going to need to bring in forensic accountants, experts, attorneys, and it just can become expensive. So, you know, maybe at the end of it, one spouse is getting the business and the other spouse is getting paid out $10,000, but we've just spent $10,000 on this trial. So it, you know, it doesn't really make sense. More than 10,000, they pay us well. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, I just, really today wanted to give you an overview of just kind of those things to consider and why it is important to talk about this before and maybe come to agreements before you want to go down this road. Um, another thing too is uh, when it comes to spousal support, if one party is getting a business, the court can kind of equalize it through awarding spousal support to another party. So um, there's, there's a number of things a court can do, but like I said, those are typically the three things or the three ways the court would divide up a business when it comes to a divorce. So, and I don't know if Tracy, you wanted to add in how the uh, states that are. Yeah, I mean, equitable. <clears throat> I think it's pretty much what you said when we talk about equitable distribution. They are going to look to see um, what's fair in regard to the businesses, what's fair in regard to spousal support. They might not even down, uh, deem spousal support. But in our scenario, we have children. We have one of the marriage. It's gonna depend too whether the, the non-birth uh, or blood-related spouse is gonna adopt the stepchild. I mean, those issues come in as well. Those are things that have to be talked about. And so, I mean, in the best scenario, you know, when people divorce with a blended family and mix, you want it to be amicable so that all the assets are not wasted with all these experts at trial 
Um, I know of two situations, you know, one client who decided that they couldn't stay together as um, husband and wife. It happened during the financial downturn and they decided to be separate but still stay married because they did not want their significant financial assets to be depleted, uh, pre-withdrawal pre penalties, all those things. And from, to my knowledge, they did it for like six or seven or eight years. They did it for a long time. They just stayed married, but preserved the assets because they had kids, mm -hmm. uh, kids of their marriage and then kids of one of the spouses of prior marriage. So that's something that people really have to take in mind. And uh, you know, you can't control people's personality. Best case scenario, like Brianna and Claudia said, talk about it, work it out. But you know how people's emotions get. So, you know, it could really destroy the legacy you're trying to leave if you don't put something in place in advance. Claudia? Right, another thing um, to think about too that I didn't mention was, uh, you know, when the court's looking into the value of a business and even just divorces in general, whether there's a business or not, um, in California, both uh, spouses are required to exchange their financial disclosures. So, you know, you're gonna have a court with public record just combing through all your financial documents. Um, so, you know, you, you really don't wanna have all your personal business information you know out there like that that's something to really think about um and yes divorces are emotional and people are usually led by their emotions and so one thing i like to tell clients to kind of put it into perspective is really to focus on that money part i mean it's cheaper to agree so <laughs> i just you know can't stress enough the importance of planning ahead talking to each other and just coming up with an agreement to avoid this, you know, down the line, if this ever comes up. I mean, of course we all get married and hope that it lasts forever, but um, you know, it's it's not a bad idea to be informed as well. We so do have one. Go ahead. Okay. We do have one question uh, from our community members since we're talking about costs and everything else. Um, there, Danny from our community is asking, what is the average cost for the formation of a family trust? So I'll take that from my perspective and it's the lawyer answer of, it really depends. Um, some lawyers charge by the hour, more experienced lawyers, from my perspective, charge anywhere from 350 to 450 an hour if you have a substantial estate plan. Um, some lawyers may charge a flat fee, but again, it's gonna depend. The difference between a trust and a will is a trust is or should be a handcrafted instrument that lays out your intention unequivocally. This is what I want done. And it's private, it's not probated. You have to pick good trustees, trustees who know, know how to do their job, right? So then you are looking for you know, an average cost. Well, if you don't have that many assets and you're not handcrafting this trust, I don't know, it could cost a couple of thousand dollars. I'm, make, I'm making up a number because I never quote fees to my clients until I know what I'm re getting ready to do. Um, but if you want somebody to do a good job, you have to be willing to pay for that experience and get a recommendation. I'm not saying any three of us, I mean, you can ask for references from us, but just get a recommendation from someone because that's typically how my other clients come to me is by recommendation of other clients. I know that was a lawyer's answer, but yeah, I'm just trying to get the general. And right. so, yes, it does depend on the situation. Is the client coming to us as a single person or are they coming to us married? Is it two trusts and a joint trust, which are three trusts, or are they doing a joint trust altogether? So it all depends on the assets involved, the, the clients or clients involved. Uh, that affect the, the cost. Right, and you can seek out, um, you know, a local attorney to your state and, you know, near wherever you are. Sometimes they do offer free consultations just so you can actually get a number from your local attorney as well. Other questions, Tarski? That is it for right now. Okay. Brianna, you want to wrap up for us? 
Yeah, so we again appreciate uh, this opportunity to be a part of the community and share such uh, important information in establishing, leaving, and protecting our legacy because it is so, so important. And so we thank the community. We thank you, Starsky. We thank you, Ahmad, uh, for this time and this opportunity. Uh, my name is Brianna Chuvak. I am co-founding partner of the law office at Chuvak and Carr. Uh, we can be reached if you have any questions or uh, in California. We, our email address is chuvak, C-H-U-V-A-C dot car, C-A-R-R, uh, law, L-A-W, at gmail.com. And we are also on Instagram and our handle is chuvak car law. Thank you, Bree. And again, I'm Claudia Carr, the other half of the law office of Chubuck and Carr. And, you know, we have the same contact information. So if you have any other questions, you know, feel free to reach out to us. And I'm Tracy Porter. Um, I can be reached at tracyrporterpc.com and also at beyondwealthinc.com. So we were uh, very pleased to be participating with you today. Uh, one last thing that we want to share with you, since we don't have an abundance of questions, is some final thoughts and takeaways uh, that you can implement. I'm a professor by training, at least for the last 15 years, so I always give homework. And I don't just do it you know, to other people, I do it to myself. I'm an avid reader, I'm always trying to figure out how to do something better, and I encourage you to do that as well. So Claudia, do you want to share a couple of the uh, overall takeaway ideas and then I'll share a couple? I will. Thank you, Tracy. Um, we did meet, you know, before to kind of talk about what it, we wanted to leave you all with. So those takeaways from today are, you know, once your business idea can be implemented, you know, get it set up. Like we need to stop talking about things and start being about them. Um, so get that done. Get a written agreement with your significant other you can streamline the divorce process if it comes to that or you know find at least reach out to those professionals to find out what works for you and your family and you know most importantly leaving a legacy starts with you so what will you do today to make that happen and so we leave you with that awesome and before we go uh, i just want to i got a couple questions um, one we talked about relationships meaning a another partner uh, but this is also pertain to my business partner. Uh, should I call you three ladies if I have a business or I have a corporation and I need to make sure that, you know, that relationship has, is communicated very well. Absolutely. And I often say that you are in a business marriage. In fact, mm -hmm. there's a legal book called The Business Marriage that talks about when people go into business, it's the same thing you consider when you are in a relational marriage, you know, individuals. Do you have the same management style? Do you have the same perspective about money? Do you have the same perspective about client engagement or involvement, about expansion, about what we just talked about, about legacy building? Is it fundamental to your business to give back to the community in some way? Um, maybe some people want to give back 10% of their profits. If your partner is like, no way, that's going to impede upon your, you know, philosophy of being a business person. So I would absolutely say, yes, you have to really think about it. And then just kind of chiming into the, the marital agreements and the prenups, your business governing docu documents are pretty much that. What happens if we make it? But more importantly, what happened if we don't? We don't make it because our business doesn't succeed and our assets, how are they gonna be divided? We make it, but you ready to, you're ready to leave. Dissociate is the word most of the time. What happens to your share? I don't wanna marry somebody you tell me to marry. I wanna say in who comes into business with me under your share. So all of those are very relevant and that is absolutely a great question. Okay, awesome. So as we do always, um, this is reposted on our Facebook page. Um, we will tag you if people start asking questions. We do have one late question coming in. 
this is from Wayne Jr. He asked the question, do you do property and non-disclosure agreements? I'm assuming that that's yes, but you do more than that. Um, I'll let you answer. Uh, but once again, we're going to repost this and people are going to ask late questions and we're going to be able to, to address those within the group. Uh, this is going to be reposted as a podcast as well. Uh, but the last question in uh, from Wayne Jr. Do you all do property and non-disclosure agreements? Well, I'll just start. Our office, no, we don't do we don't do that. I would seek out a business attorney for that. Yeah. I'm a business attorney and I know what you are insinuating. So, uh, yes. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, ladies, for your time. Thank you for sharing the knowledge uh, within our community. We need to work on talking about this as an ongoing conversations within our households, to our kids, uh, as young as, as 12. Uh, but thank you for sharing the knowledge and thank you so much. Yeah, we appreciate you as well. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers.
stay sick cause I follow my gut They say I was pushing my luck Nah, I'ma push me a mat all black truck